1: A pretty serious issue, and it's understanding insurance options when you have kidney disease. And today, we're with Kelly Collins, who's a social worker, and she's the Senior Director of Patient Services of the National Kidney Foundation. And I'm so thrilled she's able to join us today to help us understand all the options. So welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you, Lori. Well, Kelly, you're diagnosed with kidney disease, and you have a lot of options for insurance. And one of them is Medicare, because if people have paid into the system, they automatically qualify for Medicare. So why don't we start off with understanding, you know, the different options and with
0: Medicare? Sure. Yeah, I mean, insurance in general is overwhelming and confusing, even if you've, you know, had insurance policies (laughs) through employers in the past or through the state programs. And then for people who then become diagnosed with kidney failure and are are looking at starting dialysis or having a kidney transplant, there's often some new options that become available for insurance that may not have been available to you before. Um, And as you mentioned, Medicare is probably the biggest kind of new option for um, kidney patients when they get to end-stage renal disease or kidney failure. Mm -hmm. And Medicare... um, covers people um, at 80%. There's different parts of Medicare. There's Part A and Part B. Um, And then people can also get additional parts of Medicare, which will help cover prescription and medications, which would be under Part D. In general, Medicare covers about 80% of the cost of dialysis treatments And it also covers about 80% of the cost of immunosuppressants after a transplant.
1: Well, and what's interesting is that uh, I'm so grateful for the ESRD program because uh, we're the only illness like kidneys or only organ that gets this special entitlement program that allows you to participate in Medicare. um, The only condition being if you've paid into the system. So. Um, you have to have either a parent that played into Medicare if you're a child or you've had to pay into the Medicare system. So it excludes a few people that won't be eligible for Medicare.
0: It does. Yeah, you still do have to qualify, as you mentioned, by paying into the system. Um, that qualification is called your work quarters. That's how mm-hmm. they they determine how long, if you've worked long enough to be eligible and that is prorated depending on your age and there is some documentation online Um, if you're younger than 65 you can look and see how many work quarters you need to qualify for Medicare and I believe if you're under 26 you can qualify under your parents insurance Mm -hmm. and you're right, the the ESRD Medicare program is really a huge win for kidney patients Um, that took place back in 1972 and it remains to this day the only disease specific entitlement program under Medicare.
1: Yes, I I, <laughs> I know. It, I think I would be broke today in living in a hut if I didn't have Medicare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably well, lots of people. Yeah, it's, uh, it's huge.
1: <laughs> so there's health care coverage, like basic insurance. So, you know, basically, if you have insurance, you either have it through your employer uh, independently or through your spouse. Uh, you keep that insurance if you you know, make the premiums, and then you qualify for Medicare. So Medicare becomes your secondary insurance, correct, Um, for the first, like, 30 months if you start
0: dialysis? Yes, that's correct. If you start dialysis and have insurance through your employer or your spouse's employer, um, then that insurance will be your primary insurance for the first 30 months that you're on dialysis. And you have a choice whether or not you'd like to enroll in Medicare as well, and that's something that people should really discuss with the social worker at their dialysis clinic about what is right for them. Um, Once you sign up for Medicare, you do have to pay a premium to have Part B. Part A is free, the part that covers hospitalizations, but Part B is the part that will cover the dialysis treatments down the road, and that does have a premium. I forget the exact amount, but it's always somewhere hovering around $100 a month, Mm -hmm. and so... For people who, who do keep their private insurance, as you mentioned, after the 30 months, it will roll over and Medicare will become the primary insurance and the private insurance that you have will become secondary to Medicare. As I mentioned before, Medicare does only pay 80% of dialysis treatments so your private insurance would then pick up that other 20%. Other
1: 20%. And one of the things that there's a bill right now before Congress, maybe by the time of this actual interview it will pass, but people aren't allowed to, who have end-stage renal disease, to enroll in Medicare Advantage. And Medicare Advantage is actually Medicare C. I, I, they get all these alphabets. It makes me crazy. But um, Medicare C is, uh, can you explain a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. Um, there are a lot of letters in Medicare. Medicare, and you're right. Medicare Part C is the Medicare Advantage plans, and those are similar to, you know, a private insurance plan in that they're HMO or PPO plans that um, coordinate with Medicare and typically offer a little bit above and beyond what. "Quote unquote traditional Medicare would, but they do come with a premium. So people would pay for Medicare Advantage plans um, on a monthly basis, and it often will include things such as their medications um, and other um, external things that, like I said, Medicare wouldn't mention wouldn't cover. And
1: the Medicare Advantage, I mean, there's pro there's the pros to it is that it's it kind of encompasses as being one insurance. you don't need two all the time. and but it also requires you to to find doctors in a network. Um, that's one of the things that I you know it's Sometimes it works out really well, then sometimes the network changes and you might have to change doctors.
0: That's true. I mean, that's where the insurance pieces get really complicated. <laughs> and, and those issues are very similar to if you had a private insurance plan through your employer or through the Affordable Care Act. You really need to look at the fine line and details of what is covered in your plan. Um, Things to look for are how much are the premiums per year, what is your out-of-pocket expenses with deductibles or co-pays for medications or for doctor's visits, and also co-insurance, um, which is, I think, becoming more and more common where people have to pay a percentage of a service versus a copay that's flat all the time.
1: It gets dicey because, you know, there's certain medications that are expensive. And I know many years ago when I got transplanted, um, medications are less, much less expensive now. Uh, but they were running, you know, two to three thousand a month for transplant meds. And I think they're um the, the basic transplant meds are much lower nowadays, but it can get quite pricey. Uh talk a little bit about um, you know, how people enroll in the state in, in programs like Medi or Medicaid, because if you have Medicare um, and you don't have private insurance it's often required to get a secondary. And what are the options for patients?
0: Um, Yeah, so the state Medicaid programs are a great option for people who may have a lower income. Um, All of the state programs, you do have to qualify on an income basis. And it's a little bit different in each state because each state can set their own guidelines around what that cutoff point is per income. People can also choose to buy a supplemental plan to Medicare. Mm -hmm. That is typically available for people over 65 throughout the country. It's a Medigap plan, right? Medigap. Medigap, yep. Yep. Um, Medigap, supplemental plans, that's all the same thing. Um, And those are really just meant to cover the 20% that Medicare doesn't. Um, For folks under 65, there are not a lot of states that offer these plans to people under 65. So that can be a challenge for folks that may be over income for the state Medicaid plan, and not really having another option for a supplemental if they aren't working, or if their spouse isn't working and have insurance through their employer.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting, because, you know, I live in the state of California, and it drives me crazy, Kelly, but I see, I work with a lot of younger people who, you know, aren't established, and they have Medicare, Medicare, and they're trying to go out and work, and And they can't get Medigap and they can't get private insurance as a secondary. So what they do is they end up, you know, spending down or having no money to be able to qualify for a state program because they can't afford their insurance. And it's it's just it's so unfortunate that that. Has to happen. I mean, it, it's you know. I know we're all advocating that you know people need to have a Medigap across the country, but it's just it, it's just penny wise and pound foolish because they end up making decisions that aren't best for their um, their entire life because they they don't pursue some of their dreams because they need to be qualify for a low income insurance.
0: It's a huge problem. I mean, <laughs> we we hear that all the time at the National Kidney Foundation as well. Um, and I, I do hope that we're, we're able, collectively, all these kidney organizations to try to change that in the future and, and bring some more access to this important insurance that people do need to have. Now, one of the
1: things that's a new development is uh, health care reform. Um, Obamacare, health care exchanges, people can enroll in them, and one of the benefits that, that um, as a patient who has a transplant and is no longer eligible for Medicare because I passed the three year mark after my transplant, is that the pre existing clause is gone. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> that is huge, too.
0: That's another big win for everyone. I know. Probably. I almost
1: married my friend who was gay in my tw- in the 20s because I was so desperate for health insurance and I didn't <laughs> have that. And so that's like my story. You know, I'm now married, happily married. But, you know, I was so desperate because I was losing my Medicare. And I uh, ultimately got a good job and was able to make that transition. But, you know, my whole focus was like, how am I going to go get insurance? So, um can you explain a little bit about um, Obama's uh, health care plan?
0: So most people know it as Obamacare. It's technically called the Affordable Care Act. And as you mentioned, there's these health care exchanges where people can access private insurance and, and buy it on their own Um online through healthcare.gov in any state. Um, there's different options in each state, so you can just go online, uh, submit all of your, your information and also a bit about your income. It'll look and see if you qualify for the state Medicaid program, and if you don't, it'll offer you some options for insurance at different cost points that may be um, acceptable for you or, or doable for you in your price range. They'll give you some options for you to look at where things sometimes may be higher or lower premiums, but maybe more out-of-pocket for prescription coverage. So, you really have to look at what your needs will be for insurance, um throughout the next year or or whatever you can try to predict and make sure that it's covering the things that you need. And there are some navigators throughout the country who can help you kind of understand what your different options are and and help you start to work out what might be better for you. Well, and what's
1: interesting, I often think that if you asked a patient to to know what their needs are, I'm like, does that come with a psychic too? Because <laughs> um, maybe it's maybe that's a new business. Um, because you often don't know what you need until you need it. <laughs> yeah, and, that's um, and it's uh, it's a little bit of a, a weird scenario for people to imagine what their care. Yeah, I, I knew I was going to break a hip, <laughs> and, yeah. um, and and so it's that's a. a kind of a strange idea that they expect people to think about. But I guess if you're on dialysis and you you know you might get a transplant, you can look at those needs. And um, I think one of the biggest things that I hear when people are signing up for healthcare care is they also need to know if their vascular surgeon or a vascular surgeon that they, their doctor likes is in that network, because that really is Um, one of the biggest issues I find in Southern California is some of the patients don't have access to the surgeon that would do the best job because they're not in network. And that can get a little tricky.
0: Yeah, those types of things are, are things to look at. If you know that you're going to be needing particular type services throughout the year or be on particular medications, obviously nobody has a crystal ball, so you can't you know, know everything in advance, but um, it's good to take a look at, you know, cost-wise, what can you afford each month versus the cost of, you know, a lot of health expenses. If you had to pay a percentage of those out of pocket throughout the year, it may be a lot to pay per month, but you may end up saving more throughout the year by paying a higher premium to get more coverage um, in and out of network or with the providers that you want or with less of a. A cost sharing for those each individual service, Um, the in-network and out-of-network, and some of those cost-sharing things are are things that people should really be looking at every year when they sign up for their insurance coverage again, because things like that actually can shift. So even if you you know you know your plan forward and backwards right now, there may be some changes to that plan next year, and that goes for really anybody, whether you're on Medicare or. or if you have a a private plan. The traditional Medicare for dialysis and hospitalizations typically doesn't change much, but the coverage for prescription for Medicare can change, and people should try to read through whatever information they get about their plan for the coming year.
1: Well, and with Medicare Part D or any prescription formulary, Um, They're always negotiating. They're always figuring out what, they don't put all the medications that are available in the formulary. And I think that's what can get a little tricky because in my case, one time I needed a a medication and it was kind of a newer medication and it hadn't gone through the process to be in the formulary. And then that can become very expensive because, you know, it really wasn't available to me. Oh, wow. Wow. And, um, it, you know, there was another medication, but it's it's tricky because, um, you know, people really need to do their homework because um, your medication changes need. And I think it's really um, important for me, and this is only applies to some patients, is that um, I had to be desensitized before I had uh, my transplant. And that's some expensive medication, and luckily I was able to get the medication I need, but I'm learning that some some providers or some insurance companies don't want to pay for that medication. So if a patient knows that they're going to have to be desensitized to get a kidney transplant, they really got to check if that's going to be available to them. And I'm learning more and more about this as I've um, attended some meetings about um, the ama- amazing treatment of being transplanted if you have antibodies, but the meds cost a little bit. Great
0: to partner with your healthcare team <laughs> on those types of uh, specific issues because hopefully they can help you, you know, go to battle with the insurance company, so to speak, and make sure that they have all the information they need to. to determine your case. Now,
1: um, can you talk a little bit about, like, open enrollment and how people can just change, I mean, and they need to be aware of it because there's only a certain time of year? Sure.
0: So, for Medicare, um, open enrollment is always towards the end of the year, so it'll be coming up. It is in October 15th to December 7th of this year, 2016. And that's a great time to take a look at your plans and make sure that um, you have what you need and see if you want to make any changes for next year.
1: Uh, Kelly, can you talk about the other insurance options we haven't spoke about?
0: There's some other options for people. If you're a veteran, you may be able to get insurance through the VA. Um, they have something called TRICARE for Uniformed Service Members. And you should just talk to your local VA about if whether or not you're eligible for that and what Options would be in your area. Also, if you're an American Indian, you can get health insurance through the Indian Health Service System. Um, and also, if you were working and had to stop, you will be eligible for something called COBRA, which is basically uh, the ability to buy your, the health insurance that you had through your impro- employer privately. Um, and it allows you to continue that same coverage, but you'll pay all of the cost for it. So when you were working, your employer was probably paying a portion of your insurance. And when you stop working for them, they'll allow you to keep it for, I think it's usually about a year, but you will pay both portions, your own portion that was coming out of your paycheck and also whatever the company was paying for previously.
1: It's interesting because when you talk about COBRA, you can only have it for so long. And I think also patients who have medicare because of end stage renal disease and they get transplanted after 3 years if their diagnosis was due to um ESRD and not a disability they lose their medicare and they need to search out other insurance options um just wanted to make that point i know you know that too but i i'm I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. you know i hear so from so many people like i don't have any insurance my medicare is running out and um we're so grateful to have a, a health care reform now where we can actually get some insurance. But um, I mean, that's
0: a huge issue for people to plan for um, post-having a transplant. Um, the three years tend to go by fast and I think surprises people even though they know it's coming. So it's important to start planning for that maybe even before your transplant that you're aware that after three years you will have to find some other health insurance if Medicare stops.
1: Uh, Kelly, can you explain a little bit about um, Medicare and what patients can expect once they're transplanted?
0: So after people have a transplant, if they have Medicare and they're under 65 and only have Medicare because of kidney disease, um, they will actually lose the Medicare coverage after three years. So it's important for people to plan ahead to have some other insurance insurance um, in place to cover them once Medicare ends after three years,
1: and and that's where um, I guess healthcare reform came in because it allows us to be able to qualify for um, uh, insurance through an exchange. And can you talk a little bit about that again? And I, I guess we just need to reemphasize the drug choices.
0: Sure. Um, so for people. You know, who may not be working or have access to healthcare through their employer or their spouse's employer. Another great option now is through the healthcare exchanges. Um, and really, you can go in, as I said before, and, and see what options are available in your price range. And there are some tax subsidies um, available for people who do qualify based on income. The transplant medications that you take are very expensive usually. The immunosuppressant medication and some of the steroids that people may be on after transplant can become very costly. After transplant, if you have Medicare, those expensive medications, immunosuppressants, will be covered by Medicare Part B. When you lose that, you want to make sure that whatever coverage you have, whether it's through your employer or through the healthcare exchange, um, make sure that you do some some uh, investigation into those plans, formularies to make sure that those medications are covered, and to see what type of cost sharing you may have, so how much you'll have to pay out of pocket, out of pocket for those medications.
1: And I, I find it interesting, because I guess um, there was just a clarification about um, health care reform, as some some people who have kidney disease are choosing to just get into a health care exchange and not um, signing up for Medicare. And It was in the past that you were required to sign up for Medicare after 30 months. Uh, And now that's no longer the case. Patients can decide not to have Medicare and just keep their exchange plan?
0: Yes. This is a little bit confusing, I think, for people because if you have insurance through your employer, then you're correct. You have to take Medicare after 30 months. Um, That's called an employer group health plan. And okay. there are specific guidelines and policies around how those coordinate with Medicare. So that's why there's that automatic, after 30 months, Medicare will become primary. For people who are getting private coverage through the health exchange or the uh, Obamacare, those plans are considered completely independent. Um, and so they're not subject to the same rules as an employer group health plan would be. So... You actually do not have to take Medicare if you have uh, a plan through the exchange, but if you decide later on that you would like to get Medicare, say, to help you cover the cost of transplant or the transplant medications down the road, um, then you may face a penalty if you sign up for Medicare later, um, any later than when you would have been first eligible. And your first eligibility was likely either when you started dialysis or when you had your transplant. And, you
1: know, it's great that we have so many options. There's a couple options. People don't have um, Medigap in each state, and um, people don't have the option to get Medicare Advantage at this moment. So hopefully that will change. But it's great because we do have a lot of choices, and, you know, insurance is the key to good health, isn't it? (laughs) You You need to have insurance. So... Well, well, thank you, um, Kelly. Is there anything else you think we didn't cover that needs to be brought up? Um, no,
0: I think this has been really great. Thank you for having me on. I'll, I'll also just say that you know, insurance again, like like I started with, is very overwhelming, and there is a lot to learn and a lot of caveats depending on whether you start dialysis or have a transplant. And the National Kidney Foundation is you know really committed to making sure that people have the information they need to make a good choice for themselves and their families. So we. We do have a number of tools and resources on our website and through our NKF CARES uh, patient helpline where people can call and reach out to us if they do have any questions.
1: No, I think that's so important because this is equivalent to like walking into Home Depot. And for me and figuring out, oh, I need a certain type of something to fix something at my house. And I don't know what that is, but I don't have any clue what I need. And it's overwhelming. And I think that, you know, you need help. And it's really great that you're available there to help answer questions. Um, Patients really appreciate it. So thank you so much for your time. And um, we'll... Hopefully, things will change with a couple of insurance plans, but uh, um, I look forward to seeing you at a future meeting.
0: Great. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own healthcare provider regarding your medical condition.